0: Welcome to the Life, Success, and Legacy podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hey, everybody. We want to welcome you back to this episode of the Life, Success, and Legacy podcast. You can check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. We've got all kinds of learning opportunities on there. Our podcasts are listed there. We've got a bunch of books, including Mike Kwong's new book, Dibs on Your Money, um and uh we've got other things you can download you can sign up for webinars boot camps in fact we've got a boot camp coming up don't we guys yeah we do ne-
2: ne- next if, weekend
1: yeah if this gets released in time for that that'd yep. be great well crawford crawford's thinking through the calendar there yeah mike crawford mike everett welcome good to see you guys good Hello. morning yeah mike everett you got a little bit different look uh angle there on your uh camera i tell
2: you um I got super motivated last weekend. I completely rearranged my nasty little storage closet where I keep all the books and stuff. And I threw away literally two 55 gallon trash cans of junk that was in there that I didn't need anymore.
1: Yeah. And then I
2: I thought to Lynn now, remember I'm married to a a interior Interior decorator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started moving things around and she goes, well, why don't we redecorate your office so we started moving stuff around it got crazy in here you were were
1: speaking her love language
2: (laughs) i totally was yeah so yeah we filled all the holes and where we had all the pictures and did all kinds of stuff rearranged so we've got like a golf that's a golf thing over there that's cool yeah it's super cool and then all of my golf pictures and flags and stuff are right here in front of me the masters prairie dunes uh just an incredible grouping of pictures and then the k club in dublin ireland i mean yeah you know I'm, I'm, i i i want to be somebody someday
1: <laughs> i'd like to welcome our listeners to the mike everett podcast <laughs> Sorry, sorry. We got. I got a little lost. You can't. You can't take me. Who am I and where am I?
2: Rabbit trails go quick.
1: (laughs) Well, um, to our listeners today, we want to have a little fun and and make a correlation between um, IBC and Monopoly, right? So, guys, here's a test for you. In the game of Monopoly and, and Mike Crawford, um, does Milo like to play? Is he ready for Monopoly yet? Oh, yeah.
0: We've played it for a couple of years, um, even before he could really read. I mean, he could see the numbers and understand the the, the gist of it. And it's all color-coded, you know, so it worked yeah. out pretty well for him. But, um, yeah, he he totally digs that game. And the only thing he gets frustrated at is the same thing we all do, is that it takes forever to play. <laughs>
1: So if we were going to ask Milo, hey, Milo, what happens when you either land on go, that that spot mm-hmm. in the corner, right? Yeah. Famous. Um, what happens if you land or pass go, Milo?
0: You get $200. $200, $200 <inaudible>
1: baby. Ka-ching. Nice. So what we want to do is kind of discuss in the context of IBC, correlating that passing go with... Premium deposits, mm-hmm. right? And and for the for the exercise of our conversation today, what we're going to do is talk about a seasoned mature policy. So, one of you guys, can you describe what is a seasoned mature policy?
2: Oh man, well, all you got to do is uh, go back to this book right here, <clears throat> uh, "Becoming Your Own Banker" by Nelson Nash um, with the twins. They capitalize their policy for seven years. Mm-hmm. And with the business owner, he capitalizes a policy for four years. So, what they're doing is they're creating a pool that they can access for a number of different ways that they utilize their cash flow.
1: Yep. Okay. So, Mathy guy, Mike Crawford, when we run illustrations, and we're looking at premium deposits going in and growth or access to cash. When typically do we see that break even point where the premium dollars for that year, let's say it's $10,000, goes in an annual premium, and the access or the growth of that policy equals or surpasses that? When do we typically see that? Year four.
0: I mean, that- you know. It can be year three, but pretty rare. It's usually uh, year four. And in some cases, year five, depending upon the particular policy, you know, each one's a little bit different. But, um, you know, four would be an average Uh year, I think. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I agree. Fourth premium. So, really, three years and one month is what we're talking about. Yeah. So, we always talk about these policies as being little businesses. And we're capitalizing our business. And isn't mm-hmm. it great when you get your business to a place where every dollar you put in creates a dollar of mm-hmm. revenue for you? Right. Yeah. And with these policies, it gets better every single year. Right. So for the purpose of our discussion today, there are some nuances if you could do it earlier. But let's for the purpose of our discussion, let's talk about a policy that a person has made for annual premium deposits, okay? So every Mm -hmm. dollar in creates at least that dollar of availability. So in that case, if we think about that correlation of a premium deposit being like passing go, right? Mm -hmm. Uh But with a policy, with monopoly, every time you pass go, it's always $200. But with our premiums, what happens? what happens every
0: year
1: it gets better every single year right mm-hmm. so using the analogy of monopoly if we pass go and you got 200 dollars one year the next year it might be 220 the yep. next year it might be 250 eventually yep. it's going to be 300 and you can count on it increasing every single year yep. so i'm going to exactly. throw
2: some i'm going to throw something in here um for some of our listeners this may be for the, the first time they've been exposed to this kind of language
0: right
2: and it really has everything to do with the design of the policy. And not everyone you're going to talk to understands the design. This is why we as an organizational uh, organization believe that the Nelson Nash Institute that is teaching those of us who are willing to take the steps to become practitioners Mm-hmm. Understand the design. And in fact, I just had a conversation with the president of the Nelson Nash Institute, infinitebanking.org, and we discussed that at length mm-hmm. on the phone. And so he understands also that um, not everybody, even that comes, to the think tank and our authorized practitioners are practicing this at a high level. But as you two all know, and hopefully our, our uh, listeners, we stick as closely as we can to this book because we believe Nelson had a whole lot of stuff figured out really, really early on. And why try to deviate away from that?
1: That's right. That's right. Because because Nelson I mean he was really combining the the concepts, right? His principles. He was looking at early access to cash value. Totally. Which is the whole PUA, but he also knew number one principles think long term. He knew yep. that if you cannibalize your policy by making it too aggressive, you're not going to get the benefits long term. You're going to run into some problems. So He will. With all that, Let's now talk about for our listeners, and I want to break this into personal finances and then for our business owners, business finances. What I want to talk about is really going back to page 48, where Nelson talks about expanding the system to accommodate all income. Okay, Now, that takes a while to get to that point, right? It does. But there are steps that people can start taking to get towards that. And I want to just kind of open some ideas up within our group to brainstorm and give some examples to our listeners about what are those regular, uh, typically annual, but not always annual, but what are those regular payments that we have that we can actually learn to run through our pass go, right? Through our premium deposits. I'll start off with an example that that I do, and then the other guys can chime in with some of their examples. Um, with a mortgage, when we had a mortgage, we we did not escrow with the bank. It, to me, you know, thinking about how Nelson would approach it, why would I give that money to the bank to control yep. when I have the option of controlling that? And so what we did is we took our our property taxes and our insurance and we set it up where we pay those annually, right? And so what I would do is I would actually take a loan against my policy and pay those two things, property taxes and our insurance in one lump sum Mm -hmm. for the year. But then for the 12 months, I would then send in loan repayments back to my policy, what I would have been sending in my escrow. And so by the time I come around, right, to my premium, that money's all there again. And oh, by the way, doesn't my policy get better every single year? So not only do I have the taxes and insurance available to me, but I have them plus more Yep, because my policy is growing. And again, this is with a a mature capitalized policy that I'm at least three or four years into premiums with, where I get at least dollar for dollar in premium and availability. Yeah, You guys have an example you want to share of how you run those dollars through your premium deposits?
2: Well, Linda and I've been doing that escrow thing it's been 12 okay. years now,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: actually was able to get my escrow away from the mortgage company and do taxes property taxes and insurance so. Uh, your home insurance and your auto insurance are two great examples too, and one of the cool things about paying your home insurance and paying your auto insurance is if you pay it annually you usually get a discount. hmm and so. I save the monthly cost to that by paying annually. Yeah. And So I do this every single month. I, I make sure that because I know February is coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we moved into our house. And yeah. so and we already mm-hmm. know that. Uh, what is it, May 10th and
1: December, December
2: 10th. We got to pay our half cost. But because I pay annually, <laughs> I pay everything in December yeah. for the following year. In fact, yeah. That's just, that's like a month away today. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I think, you know, for go ahead. us, like, you know, we, we store all of my, you know, 1099 income in our policies and mm-hmm. um, we use part of it for living, and we use, you know, part of it to pay taxes for the next year. And, you know, we, we just always know that that money's, you know, available and growing. And, you know, uh, it's there when we need it in, you know, in April to pay those taxes. So it's a big help. So this time of year,
1: as we're in November, we're starting to get into the holiday season. And mm. um, every year, Sean and I have a conversation about our, our gifting budget
0: mm-hmm.
1: for Christmas, birthdays. We have a bunch of birthdays in the winter in our family. yeah, and um, And they're spread out throughout the year as well. So in a normal budgeting mindset, we would set aside money each month in a, probably a savings account or someplace for those gifts. But what we do is we actually store those dollars inside our policies. Mm -hmm. And so if you calculate how much you might spend on gifting Mm -hmm. Christmas, birthdays, et cetera, throughout the year, anniversaries, all those things, and you took that lump sum. And if you ran that through a premium and then throughout the year, you can actually pull that money out when you need mm-hmm. it for those purchases, but replenish it, yep. right? And again, the policy is getting better every single year. So gift dollars is another way that you can, um, you can run dollars through your, through your mm-hmm. premium deposits.
2: Really, and the bottom line is your policy and or policies is really just a holding tank for when you need those dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all right. it is. It's a place to park your cash. So the great thing about it is, and we were talking about a mature policy. If you look at where most people store those dollars, they're either going to store it in an envelope and put it up on top of the refrigerator. Or they're going to put it in a savings account. Now I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have a savings account, so I don't know what the bank is paying, but I don't think it's very much yeah. And, and we were <laughs> talking about a Mature policy. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is hung up on the quote unquote rate of return, the internal ROR of a policy is unbelievable, obviously, depending on how mature that policy Mm -hmm. is. So premium deposits versus growth. And once you start to look at what the growth is after you've paid your premiums, and I'm on your 17, Mm
1: -hmm. the
2: numbers will blow your mind.
1: And Mike, you talk about rate of return because a lot of listeners, that's what the noise is out there. To me, I like to change that conversation away from rate of return and go to multiple uses of my dollars. Yeah. Right. So, for example, going back to my property taxes as an example, I'm getting death benefit. Yep. I'm getting guaranteed growth by contract. It's guaranteed, not tied to the stock market, right? And yep. I can take loans against my policy <laughs> to go pay my property tax. So I'm getting three uses of my dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's what's important to me rather than the, the rate of return. But uh, for but example. yet
2: getting people to get out of the ruts in their brain, the things yep. that we got taught. I mean, mm-hmm. the system has taught us lies. Yeah. And so our job, and I say this in our webinar, our job as a team is to uncover the lies that we've believed, and that's one of them.
1: So for our um, income snowball friends, uh, which is just a a model for building passive income, and if you're interested in that, I'd recommend reading, ordering and reading um, Mike Kwong's book, Dibs on Your Money, because he talks about how IBC and the income snowball really fit hand in glove. But for our income snowball friends who may be listening, um, we can run our flips through premium deposits, right? <clears throat> and so if, if I'm doing a flip, And I know not everyone understands that language, but anytime you get a a chunk of money that comes and you're getting ready to turn it for, let's say, real estate, I'm going to take some dollars and I'm going to go use it for a down payment on a rental property. Wouldn't it make sense to run that money through my premiums first, or even maybe a new premium, right? Mm -hmm. Or multiple premiums? Same thing happens with the income snowball. Every time somebody flips that investment, they can run those dollars through their premium. And then go do it. So they're mm-hmm. getting the three uses of it. Mike, you had an example. It makes me think about how someone who rents can negotiate with their landlord. You gave an example um, one time about your daughter and how you utilize this.
2: So my daughter's been a hairdresser for now. I think she's entering her thirteenth year. She's been doing this a while. But so thirteen years ago, when when she entered a hairdressing school, I went. And this is, I'm literally only three and a half, four years into uh, my IBC career at that point. But uh, all of a sudden, the ideas that were flowing was just crazy. So Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, I had some three almost four year old policies that were mature and I had a bucket of money in there. And uh, I went to the owner of the hairdressing school and I said, Hey, um I said is there any chance that I could prepay my daughter's tuition? yeah my daughter's whole annual tuition and literally you should have seen this guy uh, his eyes kind of rolled back in his head <laughs> and you could see dollar signs in his eyes <clears throat> and he said and I said to him I has anybody ever done that and he said absolutely not I said well let's do it I said but I tell you what I would like to do is I'd like to get a couple of months off You know, so a discount because you're giving him his money on the front end. And normally he's he's parsing this out over a whole year period. He literally gave me a two month discount. And so I'm going to use I'm going to use $6,000 and that's probably almost exactly what it was. It's a whole lot more now, but $6,000 So I literally gave him take off a thousand. I gave him $5,000 and over the next 12 months, what I did was I took $500 a month Mm -hmm. and I replenished the loan that I had taken. So wait a second here. I only paid him five, but I put 6,000 back. That's what we call economic value added for those listeners who understand what EVA is. So it's understanding that once I deposited those dollars back in my policy, I added EVA to it. So I had more dollars available, but then I got to reuse those dollars again yep. for the next thing. And so I've been doing that for about seven, eight years with our family's mm-hmm. vacation money.
1: Yep. hmm now, Mike, I know you well enough, and I do this as well, probably all of us do, is we're always looking to get multiple uses of our dollars. So I'm guessing that you don't actually pay cash on your vacations. I'm guessing you want to get points because you want those flight miles.
2: That Southwest card gets rung up pretty good.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so explain to our listeners how you how you incorporate paying things, because I do that with my property taxes and my yep. insurance. I put yep. them on a credit card first. Yep then how do we bring in ibc into that picture
2: well so you just literally when we go on vacation i i just throw that card out and we put everything on it we put we put our flights we put our hotels we put our food we put everything on and then when i get home guess what i get my southwest bill i turn around and i take a policy loan i pay off that southwest card and then over the next 12 months the same thing I was gonna do with Southwest Card, my Visa. I then become Visa and I redeposit those dollars back in and I replenish the dollars that I use to pay that card off.
1: Yep. And then it's that just money's a sitting of... there for the next time you guys go on vacation.
2: Yeah. And so wait, do we have guaranteed growth? Yeah We have guaranteed growth, but yet if you do this with a savings account, you automatically lose the compound interest the minute you you do that. So for those listeners who are going to hopefully hear this before the 19th, Chris Bay does a drawing of this exact thing Mm -hmm. when we're looking at paying cash or financing things. It's really unbelievable when you actually get to see it in black and white.
1: So, um, That idea of how you um, paid in advance for your daughter's tuition um, also can kind of apply for those who are renters. Sometimes you have a landlord who understands the value of cash in hand and you can negotiate with a a landlord um, paying in advance, whether it's six months or 12 months in advance, Mm -hmm. and possibly get a discount whether it's a percentage or a month or two off of their rent right so those are just some other ideas um, yep. on the personal side and again yep. a lot of us we like to pay for those things with our credit cards up front but then turn oh, yeah. around and use a policy loan immediately to pay that off or not losing any interest on the credit card etc right yep yep so so now that we've talked about like personal ways that families can can run their dollars through that go button right that through that premium deposit just like in monopoly I also know we've got a lot of business owners that listen to this, mm-hmm. and there's a whole another realm of possibilities where business owners can run those dollars through uh, through premiums. Yep. So, so let's talk about that um, and some of the ideas that business owners, mm-hmm. what are those recurring expenses that a business owner might have where they could run those dollars through a premium, take loans out, pay for the things they need, and then replenish it over the course of the year.
2: Probably the simplest one would be their, uh, uh, their property and their liability insurance. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
2: those are pretty simple, easy, uh, they're, they're easily figured out on an annual basis. of what those numbers would be, Mm -hmm. um, if you've got a larger business where you've got inventory costs, um, People have to buy inventory. I don't care if it's uh, food or clothes or whatever it is, or even a manufacturing uh, operation. They have certain monthly, quarterly, annual costs that they incur mm-hmm. that they've got to have money on hand and what a better place to store them than in this case, it might be a larger uh, policy Because they're going to have larger numbers to deal with. Yeah. Um, If you want to really start to expand the system to accommodate all income, uh, you could even do some of your top salaried people, Mm -hmm. or your own salary if you're the president, or you Mm -hmm. you and your wife own a business. Uh, So there's a number of different ways to do that, but once again, it takes a mature capitalized policy. To do this, you can't do this day one.
0: Yeah, and I think you know even to relate it back to personal use is that many businesses lease their space; they don't always own the building. That's good. And even furthermore, if they did own the building, it would work similarly for the property taxes and all that stuff, right? If you if you owe those, but if you're leasing it, just the same, they're a business owner too. The person you're leasing from, and maybe just like if you're the renter in a you know townhome or wherever, if you can pay up front for that year's lease. That that landlord now knows that they have cash in hand and you might be able to, like you said earlier, might get a discount or negotiate some better terms for your um, for your lease um, on that building.
2: Well, let's throw a curveball at them. What happens if you own your own building? Could you lease that to your business? Yeah. You see, it's called the infinite banking concept for a reason. Yep. There are infinite ways. So if you actually own the building outright and you were going to lease this, let's say you and your spouse own the building outright, could you lease the space to your business? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to throw a curveball to all of our listeners. If you're going to lease, you and your spouse are going to lease the business to your business, would you want that lease to be a little or a lot? If you want the answer to that question, please email me. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. You want it to be a lot. You absolutely want it to be a lot because really all you're doing is you're trading the same dollars Mm -hmm. for the same product
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and yet replenishing it with a larger amount it's yeah. unbelievable
1: and getting three uses three of your dollars. Oh man mm-hmm. because if we don't expense. do that those dollars that we spend on inventory salaries continuing education licensing yeah. insurance all those things yep. that is a dollar in dollar out and you never see that dollar again yep yeah whereas when we run it through just like in monopoly when we run it through our premium deposit every time we do that we're getting three uses of those mm-hmm. dollars and with a mature policy that is always getting better you're not only earning that dollar back but you're earning that
0: dollar back plus more boom right and i think like that is one of the concepts that when it clicks with a person whether they are a business owner or just you know a family individual um, when that concept clicks there are light bulbs that you know they would probably if they were on this podcast with us come up with a whole Oh yeah, a bunch of additional uh, additional ideas on you know what they could use that money for, to recycle it, to be to be able to reuse that dollar is such a foreign concept to all of us. And we've you know we talked we've talked about this in a different format before, you know on our podcast. but revisiting it, retalking about it, introducing new ideas associated with the monopoly concept and all of that stuff, it's just another tool for us to continue to educate ourselves.
2: Principle number five, rethink your thinking. I'm telling Bridget. you, we, we have to do it. Yeah. And if we're having to do it, we're having to teach our clients how to do this as well. So we're always having to continue to think through why, when, where, how. And yeah. it really helps us, especially when we're doing in this kind of format with our podcast, it helps us really think through, you know, am I doing this correctly? Am I doing it right? because I want to be able to share these kind of things with my clients, our clients on how how to do it the most efficient way.
1: Mike, I was even Mike and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just even thinking we had a conversation recently within the last week about the the cost to our business to go down to the think tank, to mm-hmm. take everybody down there. And and let's just, you know, as a round number, let's just say it's $5,000. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't it make sense to run those dollars through a premium on somebody first? 100%. You know, and and so for our listeners within our business and, and credit where credit's due, our buddies, Brandon and Nathan down in Texas, they're like, uh, do you guys have that? We mentored them, right? But they're sharp. <laughs> and, and they're like, uh, so they're always asking us questions and they are always trying to refine and and things like that. Iron sharpens iron. That's it. And they're like, so does your business, your LLC actually own any policies? And at the time, no, no, it didn't. And we now, I think we're up to about 10 policies that our business owns. Now we all own policies personally, Mm -hmm. but we own as a business, our LLC owns about 10 policies on our team members, right? And so- we use that in a lot of different ways, but really it's a big war chest. It's where we store dollars that we can use for different purposes. Yep. Right. And Oh, by the way, we have insurance now on each of us. So if something awful were to happen to one of us, the death benefit then when would go back to the company to help us, uh, replenish, retrain, rehire mm-hmm. all the things that would go. I mean, I'll just use Mike Crawford as an example, mm. To replace what Mike Crawford does for us is going to cost us a pretty penny. Mm -hmm. If for some reason you're not on this earth, we got to find a way to do that, right? Right. So the the policy on Crawford is one way to do that if something awful happened. So we want this conversation today just to inspire family members, individuals, and business owners of Ways you can start taking steps towards page 48 in Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, <laughs> where he talks about expanding the, assist, the the system to accommodate all income. And again, it's going to take a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, we just today talked about having one policy. yeah. But I will tell you, We have clients, I just had a conversation um, this week with someone down in Texas, they're business owners, she's a teacher, she and her husband also run a business, and she has the goal, she's also running an income snowball, Mm -hmm. so they have lots of money that is flowing. She wants to, by the end of the next couple of years, she wants to at least have one policy each quarter of the year. Mm -hmm. We have another client, they want to have a policy premium due every month of the year, which... Mike Everett, you're there, right? My goodness. And yeah, so, November,
2: December, big months for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> those dollars, even, even Mike Everett's income, he can run through because they're mature policies. He can run his income through a premium and then on the other side, turn around and have more than what he actually earned. And he can mm-hmm. do that every month of the year. So yeah.
0: Well, and I I, I love the opening sentence to that that chapter. On page forty-eight, expanding the yeah. system to accommodate all income. Uh, I, it always sounds a bit strange to people when I say premiums in cub should match. I, that that is maybe the <laughs> best that that actually is a nutshell of of Nelson's book and the way he just talks about things. Like he was just no nonsense, you know. And it always sounds a bit strange. I can hear him say it, you know, yeah. when he when he would with his southern drawl, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, when we get paid, don't we go and store that money? Usually it's automatically deposited into somebody's bank. Why wouldn't we then run those dollars through our own bank? Our
0: bank. yep, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, again, I just, again, had a conversation this week. One of our clients who's had a policy for a long time, since 2013, but he only has one. Mm. And he said, how can I run all of my income through my policy? (laughs) right you need to have more more policies yeah yeah Yeah. we've said
0: it a thousand times on this podcast nelson at one point in time was the owner of 49 policies 49 chris has or 10 mike you have 19 we have five so you know it takes a while it takes time but principle number
1: one think long term long
0: term. And the idea there isn't so much, and I'm not getting into franchising, and that's a whole nother podcast you can listen to, but the idea behind it is if one is good, wouldn't more be better? And if you can finance the second and third one with money from the first one and just keep cycling the dollars through.
2: I remember having a conversation on page 48 and 49 about expanding the system to accommodate all income. Nelson said... And this is old school Nelson Nash, by the way. It takes 20 to 25 years Mm -hmm. in order to create that kind of system to where you're running those dollars through. Now, that's with old, old school thinking in capitalizing the policies for seven and four years before actually taking a policy loan. Right. Do we teach a little different way to accelerate those uh, thought processes? Absolutely. So I think we've got it down to where you could do this in 15 to 18 years. Mm -hmm. and Which which that's that's where you
1: are, Mike Everett.
2: I'm telling you. So (laughs) the dollars that I've got going through these policies is pretty serious right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Nelson, even even to add to that on page 49, same chapter. He says, of course, you can speed up this ability by adding new life insurance on someone. It doesn't matter who the insured is. All you want to do is own the policy so that you can control the cash values.
0: Yeah, We
2: have that conversation with all of our clients. All the
1: time. time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, this was a fun conversation. Um, I hope it's beneficial and, and inspires some thinking and some possibilities for our listeners um, if you're kicking around some ideas, especially if you're you're already an existing client, and you're like, I think I could be getting more out of my policies. Man, ring us up, mm-hmm. email us, uh, call us, text us. Uh, let's have that conversation. If you're new to IBC, um, this is a little. This is like a two or three hundred level course, right?
2: Or f- or five hundred.
1: Yeah, we, we <laughs> probably need to start uh, ground level and just looking at your circumstances. Uh, maybe turning the wind current is, is the place to start, right? Um, but but there's so much creativity. There's a reason Nelson Nelson called it the infinite mm. banking concept, because we get ideas from our clients all the time. We're like, wow, that's brilliant. I wish mm-hmm. I would have thought of that. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for jumping in on this. This was fun. To our listeners, check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. Wherever you listen or take in this podcast, comment, download, uh, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate that. And uh, we'll look forward to our next uh, episode.